My OCD is kicking in again. We have to do the first one first. <laughs> All right, John. <laughs> Introduce the first part first. Who do we have today? You're listening to the Wannabes Mobcast. So today, uh, we have invited Simon Cudby, who is a renowned uh, photographer, videographer, uh, author, and what else do we say he was? Um, um, no, that's about it. That's it? Yeah. That's all? Uh, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, Simon's been in the sport for a long time, mostly working in Supercross and Motocross, and um, as I'm sure you'll hear from him, you know, he's, he's uh, just got a wealth of knowledge and, and just been a p- big part of, of the sport and making it what it is today by, you know, yeah. his photography and, and working between all of the major brands and all of the major... Um, you know, uh, athletes in the sport. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to talk to him about, you know, the full gamut of what he does because it's kind of a side of the yeah, industry that you don't think you really think about. You not, know? not so much. It's like the original, you know, he's been doing content creation since long before content creators were called that. You know, yeah, he's like, and, and, and he, he used to call people photographers, you know, or videographers. Now everybody's an influencer or whatever, but it's, it's, it's right. like how that all started. Yeah, and, and he also is. You know, in a sense, an influencer who's got a pretty good Instagram following, right. and, and right. he's got his own business and yeah. things going there. So, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Should be fun. Yeah. Let's dive in. Thanks a ton for joining us, by the way. We really appreciate you taking a few minutes to, to chat. Uh, we're excited yeah, to, to learn something from you. Um, we always I'm like. Bit, I'm a bit jet lagged. I got back from a trip a couple of days ago. and Yeah. I <laughs> Where were you? A bit. I went to Greece. Oh, wow. Rise. Yeah. For for work or for vacation? For work. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can talk about it if you want when, when we get to it. Yeah, no, cool. I, I think that was where, really where we wanted to start was just kind of, you well, know, giving you a chance to, to do an introduction and, and tell us a bit about, I, I think most of the people who follow us will probably also follow you. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's always helpful, I think, for anybody in the future who maybe doesn't know who you are to, to kind of give an introduction and talk a little bit about how you got into and what you're doing. Yeah. Are we, reco- are we, are we starting? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, we we are. <laughs> if you're ready. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm ready. So, yeah, my name's Simon Cudby. I've been a professional photographer since I can remember. Um, I went to college in England for a few years. That's where I'm from originally. And I am. Um, went to college doing photography as, as my main thing. And uh, I left England when I was about 18 or 19. And I ended up, of all things, on a cruise ship in the Caribbean as a photographer. So it was kind of a very cheesy job. But getting out of England in the 80s was was quite good. And, um, you know, I was in the Bahamas and, the you know, the rest of the Caribbean. And it was just beautiful. And I ended up doing that for five years. Um, ended up in California. My wife's from California. And... Uh, Eventually, I, I met this guy, this German guy at this pro photo store that, that did rentals and stuff. And at the time, I was assisting for other photographers. And I met this guy, Rudy, who's passed away since, since then. But Rudy connected me with these photographers. And I ended up assisting and gradually worked my way by, by chance, actually, just meeting the right people at the right time. Um, I ended up doing some mountain bike photography. And uh, partnered up with a couple guys and we had an ad agency in the mid nineties and we were quite successful. And, uh, after that, I worked at GT bicycles, uh, as their in-house photographer, but I w- at the same time I was still freelance. So I could still go and do other stuff. 
Um, and it worked out really well. And that's where I met the guys from AXO, uh, right, you know, riding gear and, um, GT was a distributor for AXO BMX gear because GT was a big BMX company as well. And at the, at that time, the kids riding BMX wanted to look like the motocross guys. So AXO had made gear, you know, it was pretty cool. Um, I met those guys. I went to my first supercross to shoot in 1996 and, you know, over the years, you just meet certain people at a certain time. And I met the guys from Racer X, um, Davey Coombs and Eric Johnson. And we became good friends and I started doing shooting for them and really didn't look back from there, you know, and at, as my mountain biking thing was tapering off his GT got bought and sold a few times in the late nineties and early two thousands, I kind of moved on already to doing, to doing more moto stuff. And, uh, it's, it, I kind of haven't looked back, you know? Well, that's a pretty interesting story. I, I worked for a guy once who did security for cruise ships uh, back in his like college days. And he, he always talked about it kind of fondly. Like it was such a, I guess like a weird experience, you know, all kinds of crazy yeah. things happen. Right? Yeah. I mean, I definitely learned a lot and, you know, like I say, you know, you go to, I actually was in England a couple of weeks ago visiting my family and you got to London and everything's pretty clean now. But back in the eighties, like big Ben and Westminster and all that stuff, it was covered in soot, you know, from, from mm. years of, uh, uh, car exhaust and bus, bus exhaust and that. Now everything's super clean and the trains are pretty good. But back then it was, it was pretty beat up. So it was, it was a good place to leave, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I left. Yeah, that's good to hear. My wife and I are planning a trip to, to Europe. Maybe this year we'll see how it goes. But yeah, we were we were thinking like doing you know the London and, and that area, um, or maybe Italy. So we'll see. But yeah, it's good yeah. to hear that it's, it's a, a, yeah, a preferred tra- travel destination. Yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so since the mid nineties, you've been focusing on um, the moto space, like you said. Is there any particular area you just kind of like photography across the board, or is it more supercross, motocross? or enduro or, or where have you really been focusing more yeah up until up until about five years ago i was strictly in the trenches at the supercross and motocross races mm-hmm. um i didn't go to every one every year but i went to a lot and uh i think 2009 i went to every round of supercross and every round of outdoors so you and and monster cup so you talk like 30 races a year and at the end of that year i'm like i'm never doing that again and then uh <laughs> I think the end of 2012, I connected with KTM and uh, I asked, I asked them, I was like, Hey, do you guys need race photos? And they're like, well, you're going to go to every race, right? I was like, yeah, sure. So I, but all of a sudden I was back going to every race and I did that for four or five years in a row. And honestly, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid fifties now. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there a bit and I was just like, you know what, this is not sustainable because um, as social media picked up and all that stuff picked up, I had so much more stuff on my plate to deal with at the races. And, you know, I was shooting for racer X and then I was shooting for KTM and then I was shooting for six or seven other brands like Renthal and guys like that. And it just became, became very, uh, challenging to, to, to keep it going every week and, you know, fly on a Friday morning, straight to the hotel, straight to the track the next day work for four or five hours after the race is finished and then all day Sunday on the way home and then about six o'clock Sunday night you put your feet up and have a rum and coke and you're just like okay <laughs> now I'm, I'm cooked so and you're working for about, a living yeah, yeah. <laughs> takes you till about Tuesday night or Wednesday morning to start feeling normal again and then you're getting back on the plane again a couple of days later so plus I was shooting stuff midweek um 
I was doing a lot of uh, video stuff for Racer X midweek in in California, and uh, yeah, I, I have my I have my uh, a full plate of, of uh, stuff to get done every week. Wow. How does the mechanics of that whole thing work? Like, I'm curious. I mean, you got to lug some gear with you. I'd imagine you know, your camera gear is not uh, light or small. <laughs> yeah. You're hauling that around. And then you mentioned shooting for, I guess this is a separate question, but shooting for like different brands. So I'm, I'm envisioning like lots of stuff happens really fast during a race. And maybe maybe there's you know, like you never know when something's going to go down. Right. And so how do yeah. you how do you figure out like what to shoot and for who and when and how do you capture the, um, the whole race? You know? Yeah, we just kind of shoot everything, you know, like there's certain people, you know, after a couple rounds in a season, for example, you start going, okay, I know I got to get these KTM guys. I got to get these Honda guys. I got to get, oh, that guy's a rental guy. Oh, you know, this guy, Alpine stars or whatever, you know. So you're targeting certain riders that you know are running the the gear you want or whatever. Yeah, but at the same time, trying to cover the overall race for Race Direct. So, you know, I'm getting sort of behind the scenes stuff and, stadium shots and all this other stuff um and you just come back with like a huge batch of photos that you've processed but you know as uh as the deadlines became shorter and shorter you know i was working really hard after each race you know supercross finishes at 10 you know get out of the stadium at midnight and then have a go to the airport the next morning at 4 30 in the morning after you just worked 18 hours a day before you just mm. it's, that's hard people people go oh it'd be cool go to supercross <laughs> but if you if you want to do it seriously and you want to make a living doing it yeah you have to have multiple clients and uh then you just you know the workload just increases right so you go ahead i'm sorry yeah as I just, <laughs> we're, i'm sure we're gonna ask the same question <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you, you, you're basically running your own business. Then yeah. you're not working for any one of the particular brands. You're working between all the brands and maybe using the same photos. Like this person's a KTM rider, but also, also running rent all bars. Yeah. And so you can kind of mix and match. That yeah. Way. And then the way, the way financially, the way it was set up is that, a, you know, a rental, for example, they're not paying travel expenses or anything, you know, they're, they're for mm-hmm. a certain flat rate throughout the year, they're going to get, have access to photos. So, you know, every once in a while, I, I get a phone call like, hey, we want to use this photo in an ad or the brochure or the cover of our brochure. Can you take it off your website so nobody else uses it? That kind of thing. But that's few and far between. And, mm-hmm. you know, nobody was really paying for exclusive stuff. The only exclusive deal I really had was with RacerX for magazine coverage. You know, those guys have really helped me a ton. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Davey and Eric, Davey Coombs, Eric Johnson. And the, the guys at Racer X, the rest of the guys there. And um, without them, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And, you know, I still I still shoot for those guys, even though I don't go to all the races anymore. Um, and, you know, it's it's been a really great relationship. Hmm. So more recently, I, I noticed just looking at your Instagram page, like you, you said, kind of up until the last five years, you've been focusing, you focus mostly on Supercross and Motocross. But now I, I see you're doing more adventure style riding. You obviously yeah. just came back from Europe. Like, can you talk a little bit about what you've been doing more recently? Yeah. Um, so the end of 2016, um, <laughs> just about had enough of races. I mean, I still had, a, I still had these accounts and I had connected with this other photographer, Rich Shepard. He's a great guy. And, you know, we kind of struck a deal where Rich would go to most of the races. I'd go to some of them with him, but I was just like, man, I, I just, I'm done. I, I just can't do it anymore. And um, as I say, you know, at the time I would be, I would probably would have just turned 50 and you start get you, when you get to 50, you start looking at your own mortality and going, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? So 
I've always, you know, I've traveled a lot, but I've never seen many places going to the races because like I say, you're on the plane, hotel, stadium, and then reverse order, and then you get home. You don't actually get to go and see these cities that, that we go to unless you go a few days early and didn't have time for that, you know? So I got to a point where I'm like, hey, I'll, I want to go ride. I want to travel. And, uh, you know, I, I started a, uh, another magazine in, uh, uh, in 2016. I'm not doing stuff with those guys anymore, but um, it's been really good for me. Like I just got back from a trip to Greece um, to shoot for various adventure clients. So what I did in the moto industry, I've kind of done it now in this uh, adventure door sport uh, area. So, mm-hmm. you know, we shoot stuff for Alpine Stars because they want to start growing their adventure bike line, um, giant loop, luggage, Shinko tires, Trail Tech, Maxima, you know, all the, a few brands that come, when, when you do it all together, you're like, okay, this could work. So, and at the same time I get to ride and, you know, we're always shooting though. I mean, it's not like we ride and we're just like, oh, this is great. It's like, we're always looking for the next shot and we're shooting video as well. And we shoot drone stuff. So um, like the, the trip to Greece was, was a great time but we're on our bikes for 10 hours a day and at least, you know, and just shooting and trying to, trying to create content for these brands. Yeah. That's really cool. Like I, I mean, we can relate to that because yeah, I mean, we, I was we run that. a small <laughs> social media channel too. And like, yeah. uh, you know, I, I totally relate to like, Oh, you know, the, the that, rides. that's a cool, that would be a cool shot. <laughs> yeah. if I was just standing over here and you got to jump <laughs> off the bike and run over there and do it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do it two or three times. So it looks good. Well, I, th- I think too, that, you know, again, I keep talking about age, you know, uh, like we used to go ride motocross when I live, I live in Idaho now for the last three years, but we used to, I used to live in California for 25, 30 years. And we'd go, we'd go to Elsinore when it opened and we went to, we'd go to Parlo, we'd go to Glen Helen. And I didn't really start riding dirt bikes until I was 30 or 29. And, you know, so I didn't grow up in England with a dirt bike or it wasn't part of the my mindset really i mean we'd ride 10 speeds or mountain bikes when they came out and the, the motocross thing just kind of happened in the mid 90s and we had a, we had a buddy that showed up at the ad agency i talked about earlier and he had this crt50 that was all black and white and super cool and man, man we're like man that, that's going cool. one of the other guys was riding too and we just all bought we all bought dirt bikes and you sort of learned from there i mean we were i was a bone stock beginner you know um so then we go to the races and all that kind of stuff, you know, as I was working, but we go ride midweek if we could to just a practice day. I never really got into racing or anything myself. So I wasn't really, you know, I'm just average guy. I like to go to the track and ride around. But now as I've got older, you know, you leave the track going, man, I've wanted to jump that double and I didn't do it. So you just like, don't feel very good, you know? So I, I started riding more trail riding stuff. And as I talked to more people, guys are in the same boat as me they're like yeah i don't really want to go to the track anymore the jumps are bigger everyone's faster i'm older i want to go i want to go places and ride with my buddies and at the end of the day you know if, if we go to baja or something you know stay down there go get a beer at the end of the day sit on the beach and then go ride all day the next day you know um sounds amazing whole, <laughs> yeah there's a whole different world outside of racing um we did a trip to iceland a couple of years ago and there was a couple of journalists from England that were in the motorcycle industry that went on the ride too. And I think it was like one of the times Eli Tomac was at Millville and he could clinch the outdoor championship. And my buddy, Randy, who, who I go on a lot of trips with, we we're talking to these guys. We're like, Oh, do you know Eli Tomac? He might win today. And they're like, who? 
like they didn't even know who Eli Tomac was, like the top guy at the time, you know? And so there's this whole other world of motorcycling that people don't see when they're so focused on supercross and motocross. Yeah, no, that's so true. I think our audience and, and, and you know, one of the reasons I want to talk to you is, is uh, you know, our, our audience is almost exclusively enduro, uh, hard enduro, some enduro mm-hmm. cross people. So, um, yeah. It's always amazed me how the industry um, is kind of so isolated. Like we all ride dirt bikes, but the supercross motocross guys are in a completely different world than the enduro guys, like different cultures, different, just different mentality, I guess. I think your experience of jumping in kind of like later in life, like you were saying, like I didn't start riding until I was in my thirties. I rode street bikes for a while, commuted, nothing serious. Um, But, you know, I started riding enduro in my thirties and probably mid thirties. And I think it's like, when I look around the sport, like that's what I see. And I don't think younger guys, like they probably more excited to do motocross or something that feels more exciting, but I don't think they want to work as hard as enduro requires, you know, <laughs> carry, yeah, your, I mean, carry your bike up the trails. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, I moved to Idaho, like I said, three years ago and there's a group of guys here that are my age or older. Nice. And the first time I went to ride with them, you know, I'm like, Oh, I've ridden in the desert. I can, I can ride. I, I had a Honda 450 RX, which turned out to be, completely the wrong bike for the single track in idaho and yep. i meet these guys at breakfast before we go out and i'm like i'm looking around i'm like none of these guys look in shape i'm like okay i i got this you know <laughs> not saying i was in shape but right, i was like right well you know i'm off the back straight away and just really struggling <laughs> so i still i've been riding with those guys over three years and i feel like my skill level has gone up a lot you know just on that that specific kind of trail there's tons yeah. of single track here in idaho and it's you know, side hills and steep downhills through trees and that. And yep. Now you're talking our language. <laughs> yeah. I'd never really done that before. So yeah, um, that's, that's been a, a, an exciting sort of new learning opportunity living here. And I'm really happy to have good friends here that let me tag along and <laughs> don't mind waiting for me, you know? Uh, well, that's, so uh, there's a, we have a whole mantra about riding with guys faster than us. And, uh, you know, sadly they have to wait for us, but that's how you get better. I mean, that, that's yeah, just, exactly. that's how it yeah, is. Sure. Um, sure. But I mean, Idaho has some world-class, uh, you know, enduro single track style stuff. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, we, we get out, we get out there and um, it's the first time I've been on rides with guys that bring chainsaws on their bike. <laughs> <I know>, right? <laughs> like, that's real. Like, people do that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's a whole other thing. And I think, I mean, that, that's our kind of niche in the world, but I do realize that there's, um, there's a lot going on in some of the other spaces, but it's just, uh, I don't know, I, I guess, I, so I just turned 40 this year. So I'm right there with you. I'm not hitting a big jump. Like I, I, yeah. I want to keep my legs, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm the tabletop, so I'm not doing any doubles. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, I, the younger guys bounce a little easier. Than yeah. yeah. That hurts when you hit the ground now, for sure. <laughs> it does. <laughs> that's um, very fair um so but you, you also do you're still doing some mountain biking or did you ever like riding i mean um or yeah, is that ever yeah. a thing for you yeah for sure i mean i i was really into it in the 90s and 2000s and you know one of the bad one of the good things about moving to idaho is the is the enduro single track stuff one of the bad things is the weather in the winter is so mm. Mm. it's not good yeah. <laughs> so you want to go ride to mountain bike but yeah and and then through the snow right (laughs) freezing out and you're like oh man this is a big effort whereas in california it's like oh i'm just gonna go go for a ride you know yep so i was riding regular mountain bikes in california but then when we moved here i connected with intense bikes i actually have the hat i found intense nice and um you know i have a regular intense bike that i you know sometimes will ride but i have a e-bike now they're taser uh e-bike i can uh, there's so many good trails here and a lot of the same people that i ride 
enduro with also ride e-bikes so um yep there's there's a there's a little group here that that get together and do that i think that's interesting to hear i've been hearing more about that and and so i I also ride an e-bike or i i let me back up. I have my, I put my wife on an e-bike so she could keep up with me and we could ride yeah. together and I, I could yeah. still get a workout. And then I liked it so much. I'm got, I got one for myself. So yeah. Yeah, it's right. uh, and when you do it, you don't want to get back on your own. No, side. I can't go back. No. And it's, yeah. it's like, uh, and I don't, um, I think people misunderstand when they haven't ridden, they misunderstand the point of it. So for me, it's just, I, I'm doing the same workout, but I'm doing it three times faster and I'm having yeah. more, more fun at it. You Going know, twice as far. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I, and I think for me too, like, if I went and did a regular ride on my regular bike one day and the next day I'll be like, man, <laughs> I'm aching today. I might not go, but if I can go on my e-bike the second day, right, you're out again, you know? So exactly. uh, just waiting for the weather to clear up a bit. It's been a bit raining here again the last week. Yeah. Um, so just ready, ready to do that. But yeah. Mountain biking has been really good. And I think there's a definite connection, you know, the moto and, and the mountain bike stuff. When I used to shoot mountain bike stuff in the nineties, when I started shooting moto, it was cool because all the mountain bike guys wanted to wanted you know they looked up to the moto guys you know so interesting the styling the full face helmets and all this sort of stuff started happening and uh, right definitely they definitely have a lot of respect for each other now you know yeah for sure yeah I, I think mountain biking and, and enduro you know trail riding pretty similar sports and I, yeah. there's there's crossover skills and all sorts of things going on but um, yeah. yeah I was just. <clears throat> So I noticed when I was looking around online, I just kind of ran out your your background in the sport. You've also done a little bit of um, videography, and, and you're also well. You've you've authored a lot of um, like were they catalogs or or what was that? I noticed that you popped up as an author in a, quite a few different areas. So yeah, um, well the 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 author thing, um, and I was shooting for Fox a lot in the in the two thousands. Uh, sort of late 99s, 2000s, and I still have great relationship with those guys. And uh, Greg Fox, who was one of the brothers in 2001, we sort of struck up a deal together to do a motocross book, and it was called American Motocross Illustrated. And the concept was this hardcover book with, you know, just race photos. And there wasn't really a there, there was captions and that, but it wasn't like a story about racing. It was like if you got this book, you kind of already knew about racing, and it was just a sort of a pictorial book and um they sold them in motorcycle dealers and i didn't make any money on it because i was just gonna I, ask is <laughs> yeah it doesn't, yeah people go oh that's cool you got a book you, you know you know who chuck miller is he was the honda team manager in the early 2000s sounds familiar but yeah he's been around a, a while and i can remember my book came out and then i saw him at anaheim the first round race of the season and it was like Saturday morning, nobody around. And we walked through the parking lot and I saw him and he's like, oh man, I got, I got that book. It's so cool. I can show my neighbors now and I, my friends what I do for a living, you know? Nice. And I thought that was really cool. But yeah, I mean, I didn't make any money. I'd spent most of the money. I had to fly to Hong Kong because they did a press check there. And, you know, and then we, we had a graphic designer, Dave Lang- Langren, who's from Racer X, who's a good friend of mine. And, you know, we paid Dave to lay it out. So all of a sudden doesn't have money left over but at the point it was at the time it was like the, a really good self-promotion piece i would say and then we did another one the next year as well um it, was that like pre you said early 2000s so that's like pre pre-social media or before social media took oh, yeah. off anyway right like yeah and i was yeah. shooting film as well so mm-hmm. you know all the all the stuff was shot on slide film and mm-hmm. oh, interesting a lot more challenging than digital probably sure. more expensive too maybe yeah well the cameras themselves aren't were right. as expensive like 
a really good Canon body film body was like 1500 bucks and when right. you got a new one you're like oh man it's 1500 bucks whereas my first digital camera i got in the end of 2003 was eight grand for yeah. the body yeah and, and it's cheap was, right <laughs> yeah but you don't you, you've got no film and processing anymore which is nice but so all the cost is up front um yeah but so so this concept of like I guess before social media, this idea of like putting out a book was almost like launching a Facebook profile or something, right? Like maybe you didn't make money on it directly, but it, it yeah. got you out there somehow, something you could point at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, back back in the day, we'll call it, you know, you, photographers to promote themselves would have to do self-promotion. So mm-hmm. whether you got like a little flyer made and you mailed it out for your mailing list that you had or Interesting. you did something like that. And, you know, having a book was by the guys at Fox was, was a huge deal for me and, uh, um, like I said, I did a couple of years and I did, a, I did one with uh, Jeff Sirwell, No Fear, um, probably in nice. 2004, maybe 2003. And that, that was a great project. And then a couple of things here and there, you know, you, you get a publisher hit you up like, hey, we're, looking, we're doing a story on Supercross. Do you have any photos? And, and, you know, I did a couple of things with Racer X as well that we sort of collaborated on. Um, hmm. Yeah. And then the, the video side of it that you, you, you asked about earlier. Um, I think it was 2006 uh, i've gone with davy coombs and i was like we should we should start doing more video stuff because it was starting to take off and um you know youtube was just starting and so 2006 i i go to the practice you know outdoor nationals they used to have a practice on saturday and the race was on sunday so we'd shoot the practice with a video and then i'd have to go try and edit it and get it done you know and we're talking what is that 15 years ago the computers were not that fast and the, the, you know it was like it was a big process good luck know? right <laughs> yeah you had to encode it so i remember oh, yeah. hometown, i got back to the hotel with davy and eric johnson uh, on saturday afternoon about four o'clock i'm like okay i'm gonna edit this video and they, those guys are like are we gonna go get some dinner well they roll in at 11 o'clock at night and i'm on the computer and they're like what are you doing i'm like I'm doing this video still, you know, I'm trying to get this thing loaded and yep. the internet wasn't very fast. So over the years, you know, the sort of racer X films thing, um, has been, has been pretty good and they've got guys shooting the races now that are, that are really good, but I've done a ton of, um, bike test videos with David Pingree, Chris Kiefer, uh, those guys. And, uh, you know, not, not much in the way of, um, big, you know, I wasn't really involved in like any of the big Fox videos or anything like that. It was just really low key. And I mean, I go, I go to some, you know, go to Glenn Helen on a Thursday and shoot a video of just guys practicing. And back then we put music to it and we've turned out, we've found out that putting music to it, people don't like. So they just want the raw sound of the, the bikes. And uh, yeah. So yeah, that's about the extent of my video stuff. And then on these trips that I do now, these adventure stuff, adventure trips, I'll produce a little video at the end, just, so we're shooting photos, then we're shooting video, then we're shooting drone, you know, so it's a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I was going to ask when you were talking uh, in the beginning about doing like the, the shooting photos for the adventure rides, for example, like how, how relevant are photos still um, as, as opposed to video? It seems like there's been, I would think video has grown as an, uh, a piece, but. Yeah, I think video is definitely the future, you know, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm a photographer 90% of the time in a video guy 10 percent of the time so my background's photography and i just i I just kind of dabble in the video part of it um you know with social media and that kind of stuff sort of really ramping up 2012 2013 um i jumped on instagram straight away and 
was able to grow uh, an audience pretty fast. And now it's like, as you know, trying to grow your Instagram page these days is impossible. You know, it just doesn't work anymore for some reason. So it's, yeah, it's been a struggle. We, we've gone back and forth. Uh, we've, we've hated, we've hated it and we've loved it. And it's just, it depends how many, how many people you're adding on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, when I, I started doing these trips, I have this other, this thing called off-road underground, uh, which is just a website where I've just, I just post all this stuff that I shoot for these clients, you know, so there'll be a photo gallery or a video or whatever. And the Instagram is off-road underground official. And it's just, just doesn't really grow very much. I, I mean, I, I started it at the beginning of the year and it's got like a thousand followers right now, which isn't much. And my own personal thing has much more. But as I post stuff on the personal thing, you can now sort of link them together, which is really good. Um, but it still doesn't seem to grow very much. And I'll, I'll post an adventure bike photo of some, you know, beautiful scenery with a rider doing something cool. And, doesn't get a ton of hits and then i'll post a you know throwback thirsty ricky carmichael photo and it'll get 3500 likes you know so. we've noticed some of that too i think uh you know we we do some cool thing on the bike and everyone's like eh, whatever you know and then you're like filling gas into the bike that you had to disassemble on the side of the trail and it's got 250,000 likes or whatever yeah. it's just like what the heck <laughs> no, yeah and it's you know my buddy jay clark at dirt bike tv yep we know him he's really cracked it you know and he's just shoots photos oh, man has he his phone and <laughs> i'm like how you know i'm trying to do this like super high quality stuff and it just doesn't matter it seems like you know it so. does it does sometimes yeah the curation is almost it's just so random you just throw throw stuff at it and see what yeah happens. exactly yeah he, he's definitely cracked the formula though we'll have to um uh, he, he runs our our the chin mounts that we make so it's how we got to yeah. know him but um He's, uh, I think just being prolific on it has worked for him because he yeah. seems to produce quite a lot of content and yeah, I'm impressed yeah, how right. when we, when we started following him on Instagram, I want to say he was in the, you know, I don't know, 50s. 70, yeah, yeah something like that. And he's what, 250 or something now. I mean, he's just yeah. exploded. So yeah. yeah, it's, there's definitely ways around some of this stuff. I mean, I was just on Instagram before, before this, this, uh, zoom meeting and I was looking at, and there was not Jay, but there was some guy I'd never heard of before and. He had a just a kind of a generic adventure bike photo of his bike and he's sitting there and and he had like 2800 likes or something and i i'm like oh okay and i oh, i'm like i wonder how many followers he's got and i went on and he had 2600 followers i'm like that doesn't add up you know something <laughs> does not add up there so there's there's some numbers you see on instagram and that that just well, just aren't one of the real. things that we've been on instagram for i don't know four four or five years now and it took a long time to kind of get any traction. And one of the things that we've noticed is is TikTok TikTok kind of broke the the algorithm model. So their their approach was let's throw up these videos, but let's not let's let's not feed them to people based on how many followers an account has. Let's just uh, they they have some other algorithm that they run in the post. Every post kind of stands in it's on its own, and you could have a million followers and throw a post out that goes nowhere. Yeah, and right. it, it, it was different than the traditional way. You know, Instagram for all this time has been if, if you had a large following, your your content would get in front of those people, and so yeah. big accounts could get bigger likes on their on their posts. Well, right. TikTok broke that whole thing, and so Instagram and, and YouTube Shorts have kind of followed suit these days. And it's like, um, you know, you you it almost doesn't matter how many followers you have. You put a post up, it does well. It can way outgrow you as a yeah. as a creator, or it can do nothing even if you have lots of followers. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, well. It, it's funny because I was getting a bit frustrated because I'm like, man, something's not not happening. And then I had to remember, I'd step back and go, look, I'm, I'm not in this thing to grow Instagram or to get YouTube followers. My 
business is as a photographer. So right. I have these brands that financially compensate me for producing images that they can use for their social media or their brochures or their website, you know? So that's I'm interesting. Sort of taking it back to basics where it's like, I'm not, I'm not worried about Instagram and that really, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be great if it grows, but um, I, you know, I, I have these clients that I'm producing content for, you know? I think that's a really interesting point. I think we, we've, we've gone through something similar with that, John is like, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it was to show, you know, products we were involved with or something like that and not necessarily just to get likes. And we've, we've ended up growing fairly consistently on Instagram these last few months, but it, yeah. Yeah. it was, I think because we took your approach that you're talking about of stepping back and saying like, this isn't, isn't to grow. This is for another purpose. And we, we, yeah. we, we need a portfolio for people to be able to look at for other right. reasons. And then it, then it started to do well. Um, yeah. Well, that's the same with that website too, the offroad underground.com right. website. You go on there, there's not a ton of content on there yet because I've only been doing it a couple months, but sure. you know, gradually it'll grow and over, over the years it'll grow, but, but that's not, I don't make money from that, you know, right. it's not real. it's just a thing that like a placeholder for, for content I'm doing, you know. I think th- th- those are words of wisdom for anybody who's, um, you know, we, we talk to a lot of sort of small time creators, people who are like, oh, I, I want to put some stuff up on Instagram and see what happens. But I think you have to, you're either going to get lucky and blow up, which doesn't happen. It's like winning the lottery, right? Or yeah. you're going to have some other purpose to it and, and you have to be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I was really lucky. I was in the right place at the right time because I've been yeah. going to the races a lot. I, I know all the riders. So, you know, when Ryan Dungey and Ryan Villapoto were winning stuff, I'd send them photos then that, that next next day or whatever and they'd post stuff and they'd tag me and all of a sudden that helps yeah it would it would it would grow so um but now i just there's so much there's so many people doing it so many it's like the music industry right it's really hard to find good music because you have to wade through so much stuff to find it you don't even know where to look anymore you know yeah it's definitely overload yeah yeah. (laughs) but what's funny about it too is like we we fancy or so i guess creators whatever i mean we're, we're trying to grow it but it's like we don't spend that much time actually browsing there isn't time for that yeah. like i, I yeah. throw stuff up and then i get back out and ride or work on the you know the, the editing or whatever i have to do and it's like, yeah yeah well that's um when i when i was shooting supercross and that i never really looked at any other photographer's work or right. any other magazines i just you know partly because you know come sunday night i don't want to look at any motorcycles exactly you know but after i've um, cut our rides yeah i don't care who else is out there riding like whatever i've seen enough of of motorcycles for a minute (laughs) yeah for sure so um yeah i mean i i I just sort of did my own thing and i i was lucky to i say be in the right place at the right time and you know i get hit up occasionally by young guys and young girls that are like hey how do I get to do what you do? How do I go? How do I become a motocross photographer? And part of me wants to say, just don't, <laughs> just don't. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. You know, unless you have five accounts, mm-hmm. not, you're going to be paying your own way to do it. And that's not, that's not a smart business model, you know? Mm. That, that's an interesting, I mean, I think one of our questions was how do, how do people sort of do build, build this career maybe that you have and, and maybe, uh, maybe you just answered that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like I say, it's, there's no, there's no like uh, sort of repeatable path. Like I took a, I took a path and I, I met Eric Johnson from Racer X. He, and then I met Davey and that was that. And you can't just, you can't write a formula saying, go meet this guy and then, you know, this will happen and then this will happen right. and then you'll be here. You know, it just doesn't work like that. So, you know, I, I've had really good relationships with, you know, like, like KTM and Honda and, um, 
you know, those people are my friends now. And, you know, when, now that I'm doing this off-road underground thing, like KTM's helping me with bikes and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, they, they want to see these trips we're doing. They want us to be on an orange or a white bike or a red gas gas, you know, and that it's just subliminal now. It's not, it's not right. sort of in your face. It's just, oh, it's, it's another orange bike, you know. That's interesting. I, I, we were talking pre-show kind of about who does marketing in the space. And, and um, you notice, I, I think like Red Bull and Monster, in a sense, feel like they like own the sport, right? And yeah, you would yeah. think it would be KTM or, you know, some of these manufacturers that should should own it just because that's what you're on. And I was curious how they're, how they're approaching that and like what you've seen. Yeah, um, I had a really good relationship with Monster. You know, like I talk about my friend Eric Johnson that was one of the founders at Racer X. You know, Eric worked full-time for Monster now, and I had a photo deal with those guys for a few years, and it was really good. But their um, their output of, of imaging and all that, you know, like like Red Bull is, is a media company. You think they're a drink company, but oh, right, they're a right. company. And that, they told me that like 10 years ago. They're like, oh, we're going to be a media company. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't understand at the time, but now I get it, you know, so... <laughs> Um, They've done quite well in pushing that direction. I think that makes some sense. Yeah. 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 And, and like, like my KTM deal, we'll call it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. Cause I, I had a meeting with um, John Hines, the CEO and a couple other guys there. And he's like, well, what, what are you doing now? What, what are you, are you a media company? I'm like, mm, not really. I don't know. You know, <laughs> like so what I'm doing, you know, these trips and producing content and sharing it with these brands. It's something different, I think, that maybe not everyone's doing yet. I, it feels like they should be, though. I think like that. That yeah, well, uh, I, I've always <laughs> well, uh, that's fair. <laughs> but I, I've I've often wondered why the brands like you see it from like I don't know uh, uh, smaller dealerships or shops or whatever. They try to launch like a YouTube channel and they they produce content that's okay, you know, and but it, it's nothing earth shattering. But why they don't just like buy an influencer that already has a, a channel and, and run with that. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. You know, it, it's hard to grow it yourself. And right. Um, in Idaho here, um, in my opinion, the best motorcycle dealer is Carl cycles and uh, Jack Struthers is the owner. And I've, he's helped me a lot with bike builds that I've done. And, you know, we're trying to come up with, they want to grow their social media channel. And I, I said, look, you know, we're doing these trips. You could have photos of us riding in Greece and it could be like, Hey, here's, you know, Carl's customer, Simon Cudby and his buddy, Randy riding in Greece, you know, whether right. that means anything to you know, I don't know, but that's what I'm producing. Um, but they, they, you know, they want to start telling people that, Hey, we do motor work. Hey, we do suspension work. It's not, we're not just a dealership where you can buy bikes. You know, we, we do everything as well. And they're trying to get that message across, but, as we just got through talking about, it's really difficult these days to, to grow that and to get, get people interested. And, um, you know, it actually reminds me of what we talked about a little bit earlier too, about photography, you know, what was really hard for me is, you know, I, I try and buy the best gear and use the best stuff and process my images and take time and try and do quality work. But it's just somebody looking at it. It's two inches square on their phone and they're just scrolling through it. And you're like, that was one of the hard things in 2016 yeah. that I felt like my photography was just disposable now. And I'm not saying that it should be anything special, but at the same time, it was almost like the other direction where it was like, 
you know, come Monday morning, nobody cares what happened on Saturday. And those photos are ancient history, you know? Yeah. It's always surprising how much, um, you know, people take for granted how hard it is to actually create good content. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of work both for video and for it's photography. So easy just to consume it. Yeah. Just blow right. through it. And yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I like the, the adventure stuff and the dual sport stuff too. The travel stuff, it's kind of timeless, you know? Yeah. It doesn't matter. I went to Iceland last year. It's still a cool photo of a guy on a bike in Iceland, you know? As opposed to a race, which kind of fades away as the next yeah, season yeah. rolls or whatever, the next race, I guess, even. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Interesting. But from a, from a photo standpoint, no, it was very, the moto and, and the, uh, the Supercross uh, bubble was very um, lucrative as far as photography because there was a new race every week and because everyone's wearing new gear and because people need stuff of their guy that they're, they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to sponsor, they need new images, they need fresh stuff every week and tie that together with a thing that needs feeding like social media and all of a sudden you're like, okay, photography is important, you know? Right, you got to right. feed the beast. So, yeah. You got to keep, yeah. keep shoveling in new content yeah that makes sense so i kind of want to just shift gears a little bit here and talk about because in in gearing up for the podcast what kind of occurred to me looking at your career is that you're someone who has really been in social media before social media was ever a thing right you were creating content for these brands right like that yeah like like you've really been a played a you know, a significant role in, in popularizing the sport and, and, you know, like they say pictures worth a thousand words, you've definitely taken some awesome shots and like, you know, uh, you could describe what makes motorcycles cool. But when you see one of your photos, you're like, wow, that, that is sick right there. Like, I love that. And, you know, the other, the flip side of that is like over the last, since we started doing the podcast, we've talked to a couple of people like, like Cody Webb, for example, and Cooper Abbott and, couple other people have kind of given this impression that like they um you know they they love the sport but they're not necessarily um like big on the social media side they, they're not big on their personal branding side of things and i i, I think about this sport I and wish they like, didn't have to bother with that side yeah they, they just want to be the racer and it's like in right. a some sense like these racers, the people who want to make it in the sport, right? They, they are their own personal brand in a sense, right? Like they need to be able to go out and promote themselves. And in the world today, we have the opportunity to do that like we never have before, right? And it shows too, because you have racers on the one hand who are the biggest guys in the sport, the best racers in the sport, and they're probably making less than some of the biggest influencers in the sport who are just goofing off out of their garage, right? So it's, it's sort yeah. of like this uneven... Yeah, if you have uh, millions of YouTube subscribers, you can make more money than a, than a top racer. I mean, I know a couple of guys that are in that boat. And yeah. yeah. I thought you might have some interesting perspective on that just because, you know, you also have a following yourself. You've, you've invested the time into social media. You've grown that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just, you know, you've you've sort of pioneered that for this entire sport and it just um yeah i was wondering if you talk a little bit about that that side of it yeah the uh the social media part of it um like i said like i said a little while ago i mean i i got into it in 2012 i think it was and brian steely was the editor at racer x at that time and we'd only recently just started doing race reports right after the race you know usually it was like they got the photos the next day and did something sunday afternoon and we we'd now I would be sitting in my truck uploading photos after the race, not all of them, but just the selection. And then he's like, Hey, I need you to do this other thing too called Instagram. And I was like, okay, what's that? And he goes, Oh, you can post photos throughout the day. I'm like, 
I'm like, seriously, man, like another thing on my plate. Cause I, at the time I thought, man, I'm loaded down with, with stuff already. Right. But, uh, turns out that wasn't true, but, <laughs> um, you know, you know, the social media thing's a big deal. I mean, you look at, you look at Justin Barsha and, you know, he's a, he's a good friend of mine and I've done tons of photo shoots with him and we always have a good laugh and it's always fun. And then I see his bam, bam TV thing going and I'm like, I'm like, this is awesome. And then I go, but he's got a full-time video guy following him around. You know, I think it's really smart on his behalf to do that because it makes him more valuable to these brands like Troy Lee Designs. They love that he does this stuff because I don't think it costs them anything. And it makes, you know, Justin's got all their stuff on all the time, not just riding around on the track. Um, and I think, you know, if you, if you look at Supercross, you know, it's more of a family um, event than, than outdoor motocross, for example. So, you know, you've got a family and their kids sitting in the stand and for you to hope that they can see that he's flying by wearing Troy Lee stuff, yeah, you're not, you can't really. You know, Trying to feed the kids a hot dog or something between, anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's on the big screen. You can see it, but you right. can't tell what the gear looks like. So now that he has his own other thing going, this BAM, BAM TV or BAM BAM TV, I can't remember, but um, I think it's pretty cool. But um, the pressure to do that kind of stuff, I think these races are probably in the same boat I was in 2012, where it's like, oh man, I got to do this as well. I'm, I'm already busting my butt to, to do this other stuff, you know? So I don't really know where it's going to all end up. And as we said earlier, you know, it's, it's becoming so um, sort of overdone now and, and diluted and you can't it's really see stuff because yeah well you have to follow trends too i think that's the biggest thing that tiktok has really brought to the social media world is that you know at least on instagram we noticed that using certain sound clips in addition to our videos was part of the algorithm's decision to to promote our video or not and you know if you got the right trending audio with a good clip at the right time and and post the right time of day yeah you you could catch it yeah there's there's a whole science behind yeah and and then there's just there's just people who are 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 influencers on social media who also ride dirt bikes who are you know just killing it like i mean i guess jay is probably not is more than just like a social media influencer like he also works on bikes and does quite a bit of stuff but he's like he's really making a name for himself in the industry you know and and figuring out how to do that and you know it's it just seems like in in a big way the the racers themselves like you said they're they are busy people they're focusing on just trying to improve their skills and and grow in the traditional sense but there there seems to be an opportunity that's being lost on a lot of these guys because maybe it is just too much extra effort but it it improves their marketability within the sport to make that investment in themselves and their own personal brand because they're doing more than just bringing a um um they're well it's more than just winning right like they're yeah, bring some fans yeah, to the win right they're they're them. bringing a million followers plus their 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 performance which right. is a is a huge market piece which yeah i mean if you, if you think about a guy like dean wilson dean's had a fantastic career you know he's he's hurt pretty bad right now but um he's had a fantastic career and he you know his 250 career he was winning a lot of stuff but in the 450s he's he struggled a lot more so you know dean's the with respect, he's an amazing writer, but you know, he's a fifth to 10th place guy now. And the fact that he does this extra stuff, you know, you all of a sudden you're like, well, you know, he's still Dean Wilson. You know, if you were just look at the results and nobody was doing 
social media, you'd be like, okay, he's a he's seventh this weekend or eighth. But the fact that he does this other stuff, I think, makes him valuable to to Husqvarna, you know. Um, and maybe that's the way it it needs to be, you know. And I, I know I know Destry and, and Cooper Abbott, and I, know, I think those guys have a really good um, um, well, uh, image, you know. Um, but it's it's just hard to every day you got to film everything you're doing. That's like when we go on our rides, we're like, okay, we got to record this too, you know. And right trying to ride but now i'm i'm looking 50 percent of my brain's looking looking around looking for photos and the other half's you know trying to ride the bike you know it's funny when we when we first started uh shooting for or or putting stuff on on social media we we kind of promised each other that we weren't ever going to ride for instagram it was going to be we were going to ride first and if we happen to catch stuff for instagram so be it and um i think these days we go out and we're like wait wait wait, we gotta do that again for instagram (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's totally different But we're having just as much fun, I guess. So, yeah, the yeah. writing is the same. It is. I mean, I guess though we don't have the additional pressure of of performing on a track, which is, race, is yeah. really nice. That, but but Destry said something interesting. We actually had him on the podcast recently, and um, he told us that sometimes some some of the race categories tend to be really top heavy, and that like the the top I don't know four or five racers maybe can make some money off of it if you're winning. Yeah. Yeah. Below that, it can be a struggle just off of being a racer. And so I think particularly for those guys, having a brand is probably going to make a make or break the career. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I can remember maybe five years ago, there was a rider, and I'm good friends with him. Right? And it, he should re- remain nameless, but he was, he'd, he'd had his, his highs in his career sort of come and gone, you know? So now he's riding for like a, like almost like a satellite team or private, you know, kind of sure. privateer, but still with good, good equipment and stuff. And he told me what he was making for the year from the team. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go get sponsors for your gear and all that stuff. But he's like, man, I'm out here just risking it all for not much money. And I was like, wow. So, yeah. you know, it's difficult. You know, there's that, there's that top tier of guys that make really make large money, large amounts of money, but, and I, I, yeah, I think yeah. there's like a generational shift in the sport right now with like I, we had uh, I think the per- second person we had on uh, our podcast was Anthony Johnson. Right. He lives up there in Idaho, too. And, um, you know, he's a, a kind of an up and coming name in the sport. But like his focus, he kind of started with social media and he's been growing pretty good there. And, you know, he's also trying to make it in the sport. But I think like that's what you're going to have to see more and more of to try to level the playing field between the top five guys and everybody else in the sport to try to like, he was interesting because he told us like he, he obviously wants to win races, but he's also thinking about the whole thing. Like he's building a a brand from the ground up. So winning races is is sort of one of the ways he's doing that, but he's also working on social media and he's doing some other, you know, some local events, some like he's kind of cobbling together these different pieces to build a career out of this, not just hoping to win some races and, and take a check. Yeah. Yeah, Cause it's, you know, if, if you go to a potential sponsor with a, not just, okay, here's my results. I won this race. I got podium here. Right. You know, okay. That's great. Everyone, everyone has, you know, if you're winning, obviously your, your resume is different, but everyone has a resume of results. But if you have this other stuff too, where it's like, Hey, look, I, I was in this video for racer X and I did this video for vital vital MX. And I did this video with Jay Clark and I did, you know, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you, you're more uh, visible and therefore more, valuable i would think to a 
potential sponsor. Yeah, I think you, you see that. It's not just in racing. You see it all over the place. You know, my, my wife's an aspiring author and it's the same thing there. You want to get published, you bring an audience with you to, to, to show that you're serious. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, right. In the music industry, you don't, um, you don't show up at the label and, you know, pedals your CD at the doorstep. You go and you take, a, you know, you show them like, hey, I've got these followers on Instagram or on, on YouTube. And, YouTube yeah. views or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I have a following. I'm bringing a following to the table. And right. That's yeah. really valuable, I think. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Um, I guess we're out of time, kind of. Um, yeah, already. I mean, we're all wrapping up. I, I, <laughs> I, I so hate, much to talk about. Oh, I, I, John and I could go forever, but I know you said you were jet lagged and and uh, probably would appreciate cutting. So. I'm good. Yeah, yeah I'm, um, I'm actually curious to hear about the the trip you just took, though. That might be a good place to end out. And, and how was Greece? Yeah, yeah. So our trip to Greece was 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 amazing this it's the fourth trip we've done this year so the first uh, january we went to moab hmm. february baja march we went to costa rica which and, this awesome. is all adventure riding adventure yeah, yeah. well um, moab was more yeah i guess yeah we had adventure bikes there but i've sort of gone away from the big adventure bikes now i have a husky 701 with like a rally tower on it and I, i'm kind of finding that's like the ultimate sort of mini adventure bike for me you know um because i'm riding and carrying gear and all this stuff too and you know it's it's hard to park a park a 890 or a, a 1290 you know and then get off and then get your stuff out and i can get i can zip around much easier on the 701 but anyway the grease trip uh, we hooked up with these guys it's called mythicalroutes.com and they have i mean great you 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 think okay greece is beaches and okay sort of a bit deserty right well, we went up into the mountains and it was, it was literally like riding in Colorado or, or Idaho, you know, mm, nice. super cool snow, snow covered mountains. And then did that for a couple of days, went back to Athens. Then we got on a ferry across to this other part, part of the country a diff- on a peninsula. And that was more sort of beachy. And, um, but it was, the area was really cool. It wasn't very touristy, which was nice. Um, weather was good and it's just a long way. I mean, it took me 26 hours to get home on Wednesday and, yep. you know, I'm just, <laughs> I think I was awake last night from oh, like 1am to 4am, you know, just like, so you're tired. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but the, I mean, I enjoy it, but travel is very difficult. Um, do you I take a for, bike with you? No, or? no. We connected with, um, well, the mythical routes guys, they had a couple six nineties that we rode KTM six nineties, which was nice. Nice. Um, but the trip, the trips we do here, so Moab and then Baja, and then we're going to Arizona next month. We're, you know, we'll take our own bikes, and uh, we own some bikes, but we, we're probably going to pick some stuff up from KTM in the next few weeks. A, a twelve ninety and a, and a Husky Norden nine hundred one. Yep. And that's the other thing. You know, they they see these companies see their bikes in magazine tests and all that kind of stuff. But what we've got going is that these bikes are going to show up in all this all this other channels you know the giant loop social media or the maxima or whatever you know so it's an interesting point kind of uh shows those bikes up in in these different places yeah we know a guy that did something kind of like that for royal enfeld um Uh where they hooked him up and he took i I guess he led the trip um but it was sponsored and they took a bunch of guys up to alaska and it's really cool you know just sort of amateur photography i don't think any of them are professionals i think uh, royal enfeld they, they, they send a photographer Maybe. to go on the trip with them and yeah, yeah. it was just sort of this but it was I mean, ride. cool concept I would have loved to have gone yeah for well, sure. we we rode Royal Enfields they have that Himalayan which yeah. is yeah. sort of adventure bike yep 
we actually went to the Himalayas on Himalayan. Nice. So it was really cool. 2018, I worked with my buddy uh, Chris cool. from England, and I mean, what a life-changing experience in in a lot of ways. You know, Himalayas was amazing, and but New Delhi was shockingly hot and trafficy, and <clears throat> yeah, it was just I can't. It wasn't good. But anyway, yeah. So, uh, do you you're you're carrying your camera gear? Like, how do you keep stuff charged and avoid I don't know losing the memory card or whatever? Like, it seems like a lot of logistics. Yeah. Well, this the Greece trip. You know, I because I have I'm going a long way, right? And and um. I, can't, I have to come back with the images. So now I can't just take one camera and a couple lenses. I have to take two cameras, three or four lenses. Right. I have a drone with batteries. I have a GoPro with batteries, you know, so I'm carrying all that stuff. And, you know, I've, I've learned over the years, you don't want to mount that in a Pelican case, for example, on the back of your bike, because it just vibrates the heck out of it and stuff doesn't work anymore. So I'm carrying it all in a backpack. But um, if I do a ride local here in Idaho or something, I'll have like a belt with a like a holster pack that I can slide a camera into and just gotcha. carry that, you know, because uh, I like to wear like an OGO vest, you know, the riding vest. So yep. I wear one of those. But when I have the backpack on, I can't wear that because yeah. <laughs> too many layers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so then I have to, you know, when I'm carrying a backpack, then I have to figure out how I'm going to carry water. So, you know, I've got to figure that out. So. Um, there's a lot of moving parts that goes into, go into one of these trips, you know. Um, yeah, it sounds I like have, it. I have to come back with the images, you know. There's a lot of people, a lot of companies that are waiting, you know. I can't come back and go, oh, it didn't really work out. <laughs> uh, I, I got So it, it has, yeah, it has to work. It has to be a success yeah, in terms work. of capturing. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it, so, it sounds uh, sounds like a struggle, but also kind of fun. I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes the logistics can be interesting if you get it right. Yeah. yeah well, I have to say, like, this year, you know, without getting like philosophical or whatever, this year was the first year in my life where I've gone, I'm really, you know, I've, I've got the job I always wanted now, you know, I get to travel because before I ever shot motocross or mountain bikes or anything, I was really into landscape photography. And now I'm sort of meshing, the, meshing my landscape yeah. thing with my love of motorcycles. And uh, it's, it's worked out well. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I had great times going to the races, but like, like we talked about earlier, it's definitely a grind and right. you're, you're there to work and not to, not to goof off or, you know, you, I have good friends and we see people where everyone at the races is working, all the mechanics, mm-hmm. obviously all the riders. Um, but this, this, this thing I've got to go now, you know, being able to travel and ride and document and it's, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I think that's the dream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what I've always worked <laughs> for is like, how do you combine all the things you want to do for right your, around? your time? Yeah. <laughs> it's worked out good. You know, that, you know, I met with Alpine Stars and because I'd done all the stuff in, in my past, I had, a, yeah. I guess I have a reputation where they're like, okay, this, this could work, you know? So um, if I just knocked on their door and they didn't know who I was, maybe it wouldn't have worked out. But right. the fact that I had done stuff in the past has, has been really good for me you know yeah that's really cool that you can it's make that pay forward and actually for what you want to be doing now that's yeah. that's so awesome to hear yeah what a cool, yeah. cool place to get to yeah. yeah that that's awesome um i think that's probably a, a, a as good a place as any to to wrap it up on um yeah. hugely hugely appreciate you taking some, some time to chat with us um we will get this edited up we'll shoot it over to you you can take a look um yeah. and we'll get it published but um I trust whatever you guys do with it. It's fine. Is there anywhere you want to point people? Anyone from our audience? Yeah, we'll, we'll places throw, you should check out. Throw links in the show notes to whatever you think uh, is, is valuable. 
yeah, I mean, the offroadunderground.com. Okay. And then the Instagram is offroad underground official. Okay. Um, and that's about it. I mean, we can do that. Know, yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Not, not a problem at all. Hopefully we'll drive some people over that way. Take a look. Your, your photography is fantastic. We love it. Thanks. So yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I have, well, my own website is cudbyphoto.com and it's just a website I've had forever. And okay. I sort of updated that a couple of weeks ago with, with some, cause it used to just all be racing stuff and I've added some, some, um, travel stuff and that kind of stuff in there too. We'll, we'll link to all three of those. That's no yeah. 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 Appreciate it. Thanks, cool. Guys. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, ton. Thanks. We'll, we'll um, stay in touch and, uh, maybe we'll have you back on sometime. We, we come back around. We always have more questions. We, we never run out of those. So. Yeah. I mean, we didn't talk about camera gear or anything like that. I, I, mean, I get to it next time. John and I could talk for, yeah. Well, <laughs> and I'd watched a couple of, podcast with you yeah. previously and i noticed you know a lot of it focused on on your career and, and photography specifically so i was you know, kind of hoping to get out of that and, and talk about maybe what you're doing more recently and stuff like that yeah, so yeah. i think it was good cool yeah cool well, thank you sir um that one so i have to say this one like was one of the sort of um my experience of this podcast was like the, the fastest of any of them like it flew by um and, and a lot yeah. of times we get to the end and i'm like already but this one really was that way um i think it was just super interesting having this kind of organic conversation um didn't necessarily go all the places i expected it would um it was really interesting to me sort of right off the bat that simon's i think done fairly well on social media objectively like mm-hmm. from the outside but he expressed obviously some some frustration and i think um you know you and i have talked both on this podcast and in some of the youtube videos that we do about our sort of up and down journey with social media and it's been great and it's been terrible and it's been like nothing in between yeah i mean it seems like a moving target right yeah, 100%. um you don't yeah you, what works for you one day the algorithm may switch and, and all of a sudden doesn't work for you anymore and you got to figure out what yeah. the new feature is that they want you to use in order right. to keep up or you know whatever it may be um you know what he was saying like you know social media it's so hard to grow on it anymore like we're looking at that from a perspective of well we just you we're know, suddenly growing we, we <laughs> just we just grew by two-thirds of our total audience or yeah or 4x our total audience right. over what we had you know basically three or four months ago so it's been really good for for us recently but, but i get but it he's like, right that like you got to hit a stride yeah and it obviously doesn't last because we've we've had really good growth streaks that ended abruptly for no good reason yeah and we just happen to be in another one right now which is great but like it's not gonna last yeah we, yeah. we know it'll end um you gotta make make hay with the sunshines i guess yeah and that's i don't know it's interesting because that's social media for you and and but you know what i was i was also thinking because simon's done this um you know he talked about his career before social media with social media publishing books and doing just straight photography and um it struck me that that stuff really wasn't that different um you know he talked about how he got into the photography industry being like a uh, an unmappable journey there was no way he, he couldn't tell you like here's the formula for how you become a moto photographer it just sort of happened to him through random encounters and i think that in that respect social media is no different it's it's very it's going to happen to you or it's not mm. um one of the things he did say though that, that i thought was interesting in terms of like the, the closest you can come to a process is this idea that like whatever you're doing whether it's moto photography as a photographer or it's social media for social media's sake or you want to be an influencer or you want to get brand deals or whatever your purpose is um 
if you come at social media from a perspective that it's like a portfolio and you're going to put up content that's going to show what you can do and then you've got to go hustle you're on your own yeah, right, right and yeah. make something happen social media is not going to hustle for you and, and i don't think and i it sounded like simon's photography didn't hustle for itself before there was social media like it's right. always been you had to bring an energy to your career and if you're selling a product or a service or, or whatever it is that you do you've got to do that thing right and social media is going to support you uh, along the way but if you think social media is going to be your game right you're, you're putting all you're, your eggs in one basket that's it's like playing the lotto yeah some people win that game probably not going to be you right you know <laughs> no, that's a good point i uh, yeah i have such a mixed kind of feelings about social media and, and while it's good it's great but when it's not it's just like frustrating because you don't know what you're doing wrong and if you knew right. what you were doing wrong you wouldn't be having the problems in the first place and right but it's interesting to hear his perspective on it as somebody who's been in in the sport and doing it for so long and just being kind of the original kind of social influencer of the sport i, I don't know how else to put it like he well, was publishing a book that was facebook before facebook i mean right that's how yeah. you got your, your brand out there in front of people um 100 yeah so it's just I really enjoy talking to him. I, I think that there's probably so much more. I'm, I'm excited to see where his new journey is going. And, and well, this adventure writing thing sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah, I, I, I've <laughs> always kind of liked the idea of adventure writing. I'm just waiting to get a little bit older to, to do it because I can. I still well, bounce a little bit easier. So. <laughs> For the moment. <laughs> yeah. No, but the idea of, I, I mean, what, what did he say at the end? Like, uh, you know, he's finally doing the thing that, that he really enjoys while getting paid to do it, right? Yeah. I mean, it was always kind of a hustle before that. And what Whatever, but like I, I think that's that's why we're sitting on this podcast it's probably why you're listening to it it's like how do I how do I get deeper into this sport and and uh, ultimately make a living from it yeah speaking of speaking of um, how do we make a living from you <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we manufacture a line of mounts uh, these are our uh, this is one I just finished, actually. Uh, but they're helmet specific. This one looks great, by the way. It's cool, cool looking helmet too. Yeah, I uh, I never heard of these helmets before I started looking at the. Um, these are these searches are ba- that bank robber helmets. Yeah, right. Yeah, you don't have to. You can. Yeah, there's like always that movie, right, where the guy on the motorcycle doesn't take off his helmet. When yeah, he's like running away. Yeah, and it's got like the scene. black. This, this is yeah. like the ultimate in that because I can only see. It's like a ninja. It's um, the ninja helmet. And that's just. And for ninja helmets, you need to run a chimney mount. And yeah, you do. Fortunately, make one. What, what even helmet is this? It's the 509 Tactical 2.0. Um, I think they're more snowmobile oriented. I don't know. I like I said, yeah, I've never heard of them. Easy. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, they're they're popular. But and th- this came to us through a request, right? So no. So this came this came up because I was looking at the um, list of helmets on our website that like searches that didn't return a result, right? Um, and a bunch of people were searching for these five hundred nine helmets. See, we're paying attention. Yeah, we really are. Yeah. Um, so. Um, we're working through the full list of off-road, snowmobile, um, MX, ADV, mountain bike, mountain bike helmets. Yeah. So mostly the off-road space, but we're working through all those helmets to try to make um, helmet-specific chin mounts for all of the different ones. And, and um, more recently, one of the cool changes that we made was uh, that these these mounts are more rubberized, so like they're impact resistant and <laughs> they're impact proof. Yeah, like. 
I mean, I want to slam this thing down on the table, but it's not my helmet, so yeah. I'm going to leave it to bash this thing out. We'll get, we'll get to hitting them with um, a hammer in a minute. But yeah, you, you, you can't break these mounts. Um, you could probably burn them, but if you, at that point you have other bigger problems to worry about. So. Yeah, so if check you, them out. If you're burning. Links to these will be in our uh, website. Our, our, in, in the our, description down below. Yeah, the description down below to our website. We'll also put links to like Instagram and all of our other uh, social profiles. Ch- check out uh, Simon's website, and his, in particular his Instagram profile. He has some incredible shots, um, yeah. both from his his uh, race experience and from some of the more recent stuff. I mean, just beautiful photography. Like it, it really is a joy to look at if you yeah. want to slow down a little bit in this world. Um, he, what he really he should do out. is is contract with like Google, um, like the, the like these these oh, pictures. Right, right, just right. Be, like you can buy them, them all. Yeah, buy them from Google. You know, and he make right. a commission. And he just like you can print his photos there and hang them up on your wall. That's what he. That, that's where all these came from, right? It's not really us, right? <laughs> no, that's definitely me. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking credit for that. Oh, that one's you. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I don't know. That, that one's not that interesting. We get some better ones up there. I feel like we yeah. could do better these days. It's anyway. been a while. Anyways, we digress. Subscribe, like, follow Simon, follow us on Instagram. Come back next time. Peace. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> <laughs>